what's going on guys your host your boy George McKay back in studio again today pre-recorded as we always do during COVID-19 and I got a good one I got probably one of my teenage crushes probably you know one of my favorite divas from back in the early 2000s and now she is an actual superstar diva has been scratched from the label because women have made strides in this business and we all know I'm a pro wrestling women fanatic I love them I support them I preach them because they deserve it please welcome to the show Maria Canales Bennett how are you my dear I'm wonderful how are you I'm great I mean it's Friday we're gonna Mm -hmm. talk wrestling we're gonna talk all things you and I can't be more excited (laughs) well thank you for having me on I appreciate it no problem so um one of the first questions I always ask and I, I don't ask it too often but I feel like you would have a great answer for this question I call it the defining moment it's that moment where we fell in love with the sport we're going to be talking about today wrestling Defining moment. Um, so it would have had to been uh, when I went to a show um, in Peoria, Illinois, um, and we had terrible seats, just terrible. I, I I came from a small town, blue collar parents. Like I, um, you know, was like my boyfriend at the time was like, hey, you know, we should go to a wrestling show. I was watching wrestling with him at the time. I was like, sure, why not? Seats were bad. So we get there and there was a problem with the arena. Uh-oh. So our terrible seats got moved to the floor and we were the back row on the floor near the ramp. And the defining moment of saying, hey, uh, I want to do this was when Stone Cold Steve Austin's music hit and I heard that crowd and I went, I still get chills. Like right now, goosebumps, goosebumps happening. Um, and just feeling that crowd and like beer got splattered on me. And like, the, <laughs> I mean, everyone was a star at that time. It was, I think maybe 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. I don't want to give you an exact year because I'm not sure if it was, right after high school or was I was still in high school um and I was drinking so that's a bad number to give to because then oh you underage drink uh you know but anyways so um everyone was a star Tajiri was on the show and Tori was on the show and like it was just everyone that came out you knew who they were and you were just so excited to see them so yeah that was that was the defining moment that's a pretty damn cool moment. I mean, I've been to a, I've been to a lot of shows, obviously being, you know, a, rest, a wrestling podcast host and stuff like that. And my kids and my family are very influenced by it. My wife and I, on our first date, we discovered that we were wrestling fans. And I told her literally two hours into our first date, I said, I'm, I'm probably going to end up marrying you just solely based off being a wrestling fan. And yeah. her knowledge is incredible. And she's also a redhead. What can I say, Maria? I, I, oh, I, I, well, I you know, her. us redheads, yeah, we, yeah. uh, we got to stick together here. 100 percent and uh when you meet a redhead who's a wrestling fan it's a dangerous combination oh yeah for sure. I, I feel as if there's so many redheads that gravitate towards wrestling i don't know why maybe because there are so many that have you know been wrestlers or um i i'm not sure but it seems like there's a lot of redheads it's because they're all fire and the sport of wrestling is pure fire. Very, very true. <laughs> so you, um, uh, diva search 2004. Yeah. You placed in the top five. 
And I remember those diva searches. And I remember that they were a big thing. They were almost just as big as the Tough Enough programs, which Mm -hmm. were run for a few years before they kind of got kibosh as well. Looking Mm -hmm. back at, at that now, do you feel that a competition, like I mean, mind you, the eras are different and women in the sport are taken way more seriously than they are mm-hmm. now. Do you feel like if if something like that was done in this time period, it, it would have almost been canceled right away, right? Because the timeline is so different now. Um. Okay, so uh, I still say that I'm a diva um, because diva used to be a word of, you know, putting someone on a pedestal, you know, you, you called uh, people like Whitney Houston a diva. Um, Beyonce has the song, a diva is. You know, it's, uh, diva was that, that word, that pedestal. Um, so I always say I'm still a diva because I, I also don't want to take away from the champions of that time. There were some great champions. There were. Um, it's unfortunate that the management did whatever it did, but it doesn't take away from the talent that was there. Um, and the talent that's came out of that era. So like you look at um, someone like Natalia, who she was in the Divas era, but she's still in WWE. Um, Someone like Foxy, who she broke so many glass ceilings with what she was able to accomplish. So, you know, you, yeah, there were, management had a particular idea of what, you know, they wanted their women to be doing, but that's no reflection on the talent. The, the talent was a a totally separate thing. And um, I talked about this in a recent interview that, you know, there, there's certain people out there that want to paint the, the locker room as this catty, you know, cutthroat locker room um, of the women. Uh, But at the end of the day, we fought for each other. The reason why Diva changed um, into this women's evolution revolution is the fact that we all had each other's backs. We all fought for more. There were people that we didn't, you know, we might not have gotten along with, you know, another female, and but we were still fighting for time um, together. So uh, I always felt like we were this team. So do I think something like that would... Um, uh, the way that they did it, not necessarily, but would I love to see a new um, diva search? Uh, yes, there are so many fantastic, talented women out there um, that I would love to see another search for uh, women wrestlers and to give those opportunities because at the end of the day, the diva search was an opportunity. So Yes, we we started out as, you know, thousands of women all entered in this competition, uh, but there were many that were able to continue building a career off of that first search. I mean, you think about Christy Hemi, who went from WWE to being in TNA and just the expansive career she had over there. So you uh, people want to put it on the divas, it wasn't the divas, it was the management. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think your, your answer was spot on. The, the management at the time was very naive in what they had in their back pocket. And mm-hmm. had they known what they had, we may be talking a whole different ballgame. The revolution mm-hmm. may have started way earlier when it should have. But you know yeah. what they say? They say it always takes one spark to start a flame. And then you got a fire on your hands and then you got a barn burner. And the one I always like to use is the person through the wall first gets the bloodiest. 
And I think that's why so much has been put on us is because we were the ones fighting. We were the ones that were in the, uh, in Vince's office and in talent relations and fighting. And um, as time went on, many of us got released because we were fighting so hard. So we're the ones, we're the bloodiest of them all. We're the ones that get certain people like to look at as the untalented ones. But um, as I have put that to put that to certain stars of today that have said, oh, well, the divas weren't talented is I said, well, you should be thankful um, that we were willing to speak up at that time because it wasn't like it is today um, where there is a little bit more space for women in this industry. Back then, there was no space. Back then, I remember talking to Stephanie McMahon about merchandise, a t-shirt. And she said, women don't sell. And maybe they didn't back then, but at the same time, they could have taken a chance. And eventually they did because enough people asked. I mean, you look at Mickey James, how talented is that woman? And she was during the Divas era. Mm -hmm. She was an indie wrestler that came to WWE with talent and with experience on her side. And it's, and she's one of the few reasons why some of us were able to get through matches because we were learning on the job. <laughs> it was live learning these moves, some of us. And, um, you know, so there were some incredibly talented women that came off the Indies that became divas. Absolutely. Mickey, you mentioned Mickey James. I also would say in that era, Michelle McCool, who mm -hmm. was one of the like baddest women on the planet. Uh, Maurice, not so much in the promo department because she was just learning English, but definitely could handle herself in the ring. Mm -hmm. uh, yourself. Beth I remember Phoenix. watching you grow like crazy. Yeah. And, and I mean, you look at someone like Beth Phoenix or Jillian Hall, right. I mean, or Gail Kim. She yes. was in that era as well. Canadian I mean, girl. She went Shout on. Out. <laughs> she, she was, uh, I would say that um, the real spark of the evolution after the first drive through that wall and women really starting to stand up for themselves is her going over to Impact TNA at the time and having those matches with Kong. I remember being a diva in WWE going, I want to do that. How do we do that? <laughs> and we weren't, we couldn't, we couldn't have the time for that. Um, but they were getting it and we were jealous. Absolutely. So one, one actual other diva, I guess you could say that you had a, a moment with, and I remember this moment very vividly. I remember when you got smacked by Trish Stratish and she knocked mm -hmm. out one of your teeth. I it remember wasn't a tooth. It was a filling. She knocked sorry. out a filling. <laughs> I, re but I remember seeing something fly. And I was like, I remember looking over at my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time and saying, Hey, was that her tooth? I think that was her tooth. And it's just like, no, that was my feeling, <laughs> but I was like, maybe I needed to get them redone anyways or something. I don't know. I think I grit my teeth or, you know, but that woman had a smack on her. Oof. Yeah. I was going to say on a scale of one to 10, would you say that that was the hardest smack you've ever taken in the ring? Uh, see Trish. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. That, that was the answer I was expecting. And that's the answer I knew. And, and that's because Canadian women, they hit harder. They hit harder yes, than everybody else. Yes, because I, I'm interested to see what Taya does. Oh man, Taya is <laughs> Taya is a beast, and she's a beast for the right reasons. Oh, she's, she's just, amazing. Woo. She's had a long. It's been a long time coming for her. I I've been watching her and following her career for years, and like there there was a time when I was uh, starting booking things for Crossfire before everything went bananas there that she was one of the girls on my list that I was really interested in because she was 
Yeah, just incredible. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? You you were in a time period where, like you said, women weren't fighting for everything. And also women were just throwing in storylines more as eye candy or arm candy. And you were in mm-hmm. a lot of, I guess, on-screen romances with uh, a fellow yeah. Canadian, Santino Morella. Oh, uh, that yes. Whole, that whole like storyline you guys had was incredible. Um, the famous you. The famous calm down kiss with John Cena that is still in actually some of the WWE promo packages because it was so legendary and also the on-screen relationship with Dolph Ziggler before you kicked him to the curb. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess I would say, I guess, I guess back in that time period, again, it was a kind of a blessing. Like, okay, you're going to, you're going to work with this guy this week, or you're going to be in a storyline with this guy. That was, I guess the best that the women could hope for at the time period. Right. So um, I, I look at wrestling a little bit differently in the sense that it's still um, a TV show. So um, for me, it was awesome. It meant more screen time. I, I had one of the, um, I had the best time. I got to work with everybody and um, it was acting like, and these guys were my friends. Like I thought Santino was hilarious. And I, and like Dolph and I, we were very close friends and um, so for me, I was working with my friends and I got to watch John go from being good to being amazing. Like, so I had so many promos with John. Like John was one of the people I interviewed the most. And like from the beginning, he made me laugh, but then he grew as a performer. And like, I was in awe of the fact of how good he got. Um, and I always respected him for that. Um, you know, and, and Santino's chops, like that was great working with, um, I, when I got to work with, uh, Flair or Carlito or, you know, I, I had one of the best jobs in the world because I got to work with these guys, but I got to learn. I listened to all the matches. I like, I I listened to put them putting it together. I listened to the psychology and like, it was just, I had the best education in the world because of it. Absolutely. So in that time period where you literally were around the Mecca of sports entertainment, who Mm -hmm. would you say was the one teacher that you learned from the most? Mm. Like if you were to ask anybody a question, like if you were to go backstage and you see Triple H and Flair working on a match and you walked in and said, Hey guys, what are you doing? And then Triple H would say, you know, we're doing this, or this is psychology behind this. Who would you say was the one teacher that anytime you had a question, they would give you that answer. Okay, so, um, you know, uh, I would say a couple for that time frame mm-hmm. when, um, as things were changing, because I was there, it was going from Attitude Era, then there was like a little transition phase, and then it was starting to be the indie era, right. where um, you were hearing all of these stories about how good uh, Ring of Honor talent was. So during that time around 2007, something like that, I was dating punk and like punk knew it. And like he, his grasp on professional wrestling was amazing. And like a lot of my education comes from him and it also comes from Paul Heyman Um, because like punk introduced me to Japanese wrestling. Um, I knew nothing about it until I dated him and Paul just, storyline wise and just bringing out the most in any human being was incredible of course like you know I could I 
I could name a number of other people that taught me in the sense of, you know, with wrestling, when, when it came to matches, Mickey, Mickey was my go-to person. Like she was always available to anybody that came in with a question about wrestling. And she trained me a bit when I was down in Ohio Valley wrestling too. So like, you know, and, and, and Beth as well, Beth always calmed me down, slowed me down. Um, and then if I wanted to try any kind of move, it was Victoria. Like Victoria was the best when it came to selling. Um, and as a heel, she was incredible to work with. So like I had a plethora of people um, to work with. But in terms of seeing where wrestling was going, it would be Heyman and Punk. Yeah, those are two names that I, I would hope you mentioned and you did. And so you nailed it. And I love it for that because that means we're <laughs> gelling. That means we're developing a friendship here, Maria. I believe that this is... <laughs> This is exactly what I was hoping this conversation was going to be. <laughs> so um, you got released in February, 2010. And yes. that was okay because then you transitioned into ROH and you had some mm -hmm. dynamite moments there. You were the first lady of ROH. And we're definitely going to touch yep. on a lot of ROH. But before we do that, I got one more WWE question. Then we're going to wrap it up okay. with that until we have to go back That's later okay. on. But WrestleManias. You were at so many uh -huh. WrestleManias. You competed yeah. in the Miss WrestleMania tournament. What would yep. you say out of all the WrestleManias? Because you had a few moments yourself. What was mm -hmm. Maria's WrestleMania moment? The one you cherish? One you look back on fondest? From that time around, mm -hmm. um, definitely. <laughs> and I think it's now because of everything that happened. But um being able to tag team with Ashley, um, you know, I, I just, I think about the power she had with the fans, uh, and how much they just loved her. And, uh, so yeah, I would say working with Ashley, um, walking down that ramp with her, that would be my WrestleMania moment. Absolutely. She was, uh, a legend gone too soon. And, and I hope that, uh, you know, they recognize her ability and her talent in a time period where she should be recognized. And I hope one day, one day we see her in that hall of fame because that's rightfully deserved. But as we yeah. know, it takes yeah. so long to get to the right yeah. decisions. That it's going to be a while. Like with China? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, China only got in because of the DX tacticality, right? And they think we're yeah. going away, but we're not mm -hmm. going away. Uh, British yeah. Bulldog, I think he's way overdue. I actually sat down with his daughter and I said that. I said, I think your dad mm -hmm. should have been in the hall of fame years ago. Owen Hart, mm -hmm. I know the reasons why. We all know the reasons why, but there's still mm -hmm. some, some people that we, it, the hall of fame is not for, and I want to put this on wax and I think you'll agree with me. The hall of fame is not for upper management. The hall of fame is not for the ivory tower. The hall of fame is for us, the fans. We want to put people in the hall of fame because we want to remember them. We want to hear the stories we want to mm -hmm. cherish. That's mm -hmm. what the hall of fame is for. I always think that the hall of fame is for the fans, but it's also for the children. Yes. It's for the kids. It's for, you know, my babies or Mike's babies or, you know, like it's, it's for, it's for the children or their family, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, it, yeah, it's for the person themselves, but um, for the people that love them and whoever it was, you know, ex talent, <laughs> um, it's important to them. And I think that, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, n next generations look at, 
you know, they're, they're like, Oh, my mom or my dad was in the hall of fame. And it, it's amazing because that's why they were away from me. That's why they had those long tours. That's why I didn't get a kiss goodnight every night. And like, that's what the hall of fame should be for. That's why they missed my birthday party or couldn't go to the family reunion. Um, so for me, that's what the hall of fame is for. It's for the people that love them, whether it be fans or family. Um, I think it's important for them. I think you're hundred percent right. I think everything you're saying is, is truthful and, and thank you for that because that's the honest and the realness that we podcasters hope in these conversations. Cause this <laughs> isn't an interview, Maria, this is a conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to sit mm-hmm. down with a lady who I believe broke barriers and by barriers, I mean this. So you were the first lady of ROH, multiple mm-hmm. angles with um, Mike. I love the angles with Mike, especially with Kevin Steen. All those matches oh. with Kevin Steen were just phenomenal. And I'm a Kevin Owens guy. A lot of people say I look like him. Of course, he's a lot more agile and athletic than me. But <laughs> And I can't, I can't grow the full beard. I can't. This is the best I can do. So I, I've come okay. to terms with it. I know I've, I've come to terms with it, Maria. I've realized that it's not who I am. But I can still say I kind of semi a little bit look like him. But um, one barrier that you guys broke down was your, your small time in New Japan uh, mm-hmm. was great because you were involved. You were one of the first female wrestlers back in the ring since 2002 when you did it in 2015. And when I, mm-hmm. when I was researching you, I was like, damn, that's a barrier. 13 years, <laughs> there hadn't been a woman in New Japan. So you mm-hmm. did it with Mike and Matt Tavern in that intergender match. So tell me about mm-hmm. that moment. Rina. Tell me about that groundbreaking historic moment because that's what it is 13 years no female wrestler had ever been booked in a new japan ring and you do it you knock it down that's incredible thank you um it was an honor to be over there they are uh an incredibly respectful um it's, it's a respectful culture um they treated me incredibly well um, to be able to do it for a company that I love so much that treated me so well, just made it all the more sweet. Um, not too sweet, but, uh, just sweet. Uh, (laughs) and to be working with bullet club. I mean, at that time, bullet club was huge. I mean, that was everything. That was what everybody talked about to be in the bullet club was to be a made man, now that there's no longer that many, uh, there's not a lot of mafia out there. We'll just say that it was the mafia of wrestling um, to be in the Bullet Club. So to be wrestling against the Bullet Club was amazing. Um, and I was a nervous wreck. I will be the first one to admit that. I'm not shy about it because I knew what it meant. It was important to me. So I trained my butt off. Um, I was as ready as I was going to be with this awkward, uh, lanky body of mine that doesn't want to move in the right directions. Um, But it wasn't about that. It was about the story. It was about the kingdom versus the bullet club. Um, And so whatever I did in the match was for that story. And so uh, that made it okay with me and to be out there wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) but it was great and I've had so many people come up to me and say thank you so much especially you know uh Japanese women um you know they they love that I was a part of that they um they saw themselves in me um when I was out there and that that means a lot to me 
Absolutely. And that super kick you took from Gallows. You took it on the chin <laughs> and you took it like a champ. And it looked, you, I got to say, my dear, you sold the crap out of that. Because I, I went back and rewatched that match today in preparation. Uh-huh. And I went back and I was watching it with my, my 12-year-old daughter. I call her the mini host. She does these little five-question segments. So maybe we can get you back on one day to do one of those. But um, I did. she's like, Dad. She's like, Dad, did he really kick her? I'm like, I don't know, buddy. It, lo- it looked so, it looked like within an inch. And the cell was perfect. So kudos to you. After so everybody literally- always touches, like with that stuff, I, I don't knock on wood that all of a sudden I won't become like a, a scaredy cat. But I always try to take it because I don't, especially if I have one job, you have one job, do your job. Like I just, I will take the moves. I will make it look as the best I can um, because I don't want to take away from anything. Like those guys are working their ass off week after week after week. And then this girl comes in and she's going to do one match and it's going to be the most important match. <laughs> and like, so for me, I always try and take it because it's important to me to make everybody else's things look good. Well, you did. And like I said, seven years later, still spot on. So kudos to you. Thank you. Kudos to you. Now, I, I loved you in WWE, but I, I saw the evolution of Maria really happen in ROH. And then 2015, like I said, that New Japan was a special moment, the kingdom versus the Bullet Club, huge moment in time. But also another cool thing happened in 2015. You won your first title. Family, <laughs> wrestling, entertainment. You won the championship. And, and how, so how cool was that after literally we're talking 11 years in the business, you're finally holding up gold for the first time on your own. You're not holding up somebody else's gold. You're not valeting somebody else's gold. You're holding your own gold. I, I have to say it was a really cool experience just because I didn't know if I was going to wrestle again, like as a singles wrestler, I just, um, I, I get asked all the time to wrestle. Um, I was asked all the time at that time to wrestle. And I just, I never feel um, confident enough in myself to do it. So to be able to win a championship was really cool. Um, but it has never been about the the titles for me. Um, it's, that's just not who I am. Um, I, I just, I look at it like, was the story good? Did it make sense? Um, can I elevate somebody? Uh, cause other than that, like, what's the point? Like <laughs> a championship is only as good as its meaning and, um, whoever holds it has to give it more meaning, not less. And so that's always my biggest concern is, you know, whether it be that championship or another, um, am I building it up? Well, I, I think you did. You held it. You held it for close to, I think it was when I did my research about 39 days. So 39 days, that's pretty awesome. And then in 2016, you also won another piece of gold when you had Mm -hmm. your one-year run in Impact Wrestling. You were the Impact Knockouts Commissioner, which was a great storyline. I loved that (laughs) storyline. And you know what? I love you as a face, but I absolutely adore you as a heel. There's something about you as a heel that just makes me like appreciate you so much more for your ability to sell and your ability because promos... I'm one of those guys who I love the, I love the walking, which is when the, when all the bullshit is done, all the promos are done and you're in the ring and you're settling it. But if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And like I said, in ROH, I think it's where you, you finally learned to really talk the talk. 
you, you, your skill on a mic is one of the best women in the business. And I'll put that on wax. And because it's my show, nobody else's opinion matters, but me. So it's great. It's great. And, I, and <laughs> anybody who doesn't believe it, go back and watch the research. This girl can cut a promo, but you had that title reign 50 days. And then a fellow Canadian, which I love her, but I have to hate her at this moment. Gail Kim, she took it from you. She not only took the title, but she took away your commissionership. That's horrible. Uh, well, you know, it was a good story, though. It was Oof. great. It was, so and that was a fun match to lose. Um, uh, another match I was incredibly nervous about, which I shouldn't have been because I was in there with Gail. So, it, it, you know, she's she's amazing. So I just had to kind of be a. I could have been a mop. She could have had a great match with. Um, but you know, she's she's amazing. The storyline was amazing. I I really did. The, the funny thing about it was I got, or funny or not funny, I, I got kicked and um, I was pulling Gail's leg and I had this hand next to it. And I don't know what, what I was thinking. I pulled her leg with this hand. Of course, when you pull a leg, her leg came, her foot came back, kicked me like at the front of my hand, which broke this bone. I didn't think it was broken. I went home, I, I pulled my luggage, everything. And then a few days later, my hand was purple and blue and all this. So I ended up holding the title for longer because I had this injury, um, which I think made the storyline better. So yay for injuries. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to do. Being a commissioner was awesome. Um, I have to, you know, with with cutting promos, I have to give kudos to Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor literally just said, go ahead, do what you do. And I went, really? Are you sure? <laughs> and then I just did it. <laughs> so um, I don't think I would have gotten better at promos if it wasn't for the freedom. And Ring of Honor gave me that freedom. And um, that made all the difference in the world when I went to Impact. Um, so then I, and in Impact, you were doing so many shows that you literally, you couldn't think about it. You couldn't like, you just had to go out there and cut something. It was like, all right, well, this is, and of course, like, you know, we, we had, um, David Lagana, who was an is an incredible writer. And, um, then we had Billy Corgan that was there helping out with creative. So like you had those, um, the, those the, those talented people that were behind you supporting you to say okay this is where it's going and then go do a promo <laughs> so that's what I did and uh, Dixie is so giving um, when it comes to promos that like uh, I was able to cut a promo back and forth with her and like she's just she's so giving that I was able to say the things I wanted to say. <laughs> Um, even though she was running the company at the time. So that was really cool. And it also gave me a lot of confidence knowing that I could do that. Absolutely. And, and I love it when I hear those stories of, you know, ROH allowed the creative freedom or impact allowed the creative freedom. And that's mm -hmm. what I mean when the evolution happens, because when you're allowed to take control of your destiny, but then you decided to go back to WWE in 2017, mm -hmm. you and Mike made the decision to return. Um, mm -hmm. and you guys had a great run, but also 2017 was pretty cool because you, uh, you became pregnant with your, with your daughter, Frederica, mm -hmm. which was yeah. awesome. You returned in 2018 while you were still pregnant, uh, at the 25th anniversary show where you were honored as the women's legends. You were part mm -hmm. of that segment. Yeah. So how was it coming back for that segment? Now we're full circle. So you've come home, you had to step away from the camera because you were expecting Frederica, who, by the way, is adorable. And thank, thank God she you. looks like you. I, again, I'm a big fan of Mike's, but 
she looks like mom and that's that's perfect that's that's what we need in the world we need more adorable little feisty girls and like you said before we recorded uh karma she's she's a real biatch and (laughs) we know what's gonna happen (laughs) oh i i'm sure i i'm gonna be terrified when she decides that she wants to start dating um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to pray that, you know, it'd be all right. We won't, we won't talk uh, yeah, about it was, it was great going back for the, <laughs> yeah. um, for the Le- legends night. And, um, when I was out there with the other women, I just looked around and I just felt so honored and humbled by the experience. You know, these are people I looked up to when, um, grew up watching myself. So to be a part of it, I was like, yeah, damn, I'm old. But at the same time, I was like, wow, these women are incredible. Absolutely. And then another cool thing happens nine months later, you get to, you come back again and you're part of the first ever all woman's pay-per-view evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that you can say you had a hand in. Yeah. Why? Because like we talked about it, the first one through the wall draws the most blood. You mm-hmm. drew the most blood. You were in the office, you were screaming, you were kicking, you were telling people we need more. Mm-hmm. And to see this full circle, talk to me yeah. about that. And, and, and the next question is, when are we going to get evolution too? Because it's far past date. So I was told that's never happening again. So um, by WWE management. Um, so that's cool. <laughs> that's the wrong decision. I'll put that on wax. It, as it well. is the wrong decision. Um, uh, <laughs> but to be a part of it was, it was bittersweet. I'll have to say that because so much of it was placed on. Um, the current crop, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also looked around and I saw a lot of very talented women from the past. Um, and some that, you know, weren't there because they had passed away. And so um, I, I wish that there was, there was more truth to it of how it came about, of how, you know, the evolution happened. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't overnight, you know, Triple H decided this is what we're going to do. No, it was um, Sarah Del Rey on Ring of Honor shows wrestling dudes and having the best match of the night or in Chikara having those incredible matches. Um, that's the evolution. Or Kong and Gail having those matches over there or me and Michelle McCool and Melina and... Uh, <laughs> And any other woman at in during the divas era going into Vince's office and asking for more. Um, it, it was Medusa and it was Scary Sherry and it was every single female along the way created the evolution. It didn't happen overnight. And uh, to say that you know, now we're going to put focus on the women and that is what's going to create the evolution. It's a little bit um, egotistical. (laughs) No, no. Uh, This has been happening for many, many years. I mean, Molly Holly was an incredible worker. Victoria was an incredible worker. Um, It it did not start that year. It didn't even start 10 years before that. Mm-hmm. It started many, many years before that when uh, there were women just trying to get their names on the card. And I wish that story was told. 
100% agree with you. Like I said, I'm a proud girl dad and uh, the women's wrestling evolution is something that I've been proud to share with both of my daughters. Yeah. And the only arguments we have in my house now is when my 12 year old tells my four year old that Sasha Banks can run circles around her favorite, which is Bailey. And she can't have the same favorite because that's the battles that we have in the house <laughs> but I always I do tell them I, I sit my my 12 year old down because like I said she's the future of podcasting in my eyes and ah, okay. uh, I, I tell her all the time I say listen you're the mini host but you gotta you gotta understand where you came from right you gotta understand uh, the paths that were paved and I go and these are the women and even when I was sitting down with you like I said we went back and researched it and, and she thinks you're awesome she's oh like, Dad, well, she's super cool I'm like yeah and I'm sitting with her so I'm kind of cool too oh thanks yeah I mean the women of today are incredible and they were and 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 Sasha when she was Mercedes was incredible on the indies and um you know they they are amazing um I just I also want to give kudos to some of the ones that I watched (laughs) I want to give kudos to my idols, like, like Lita and like Ivory. And, you know, I, I want to give kudos back to them too. Absolutely. And they, they should be recognized and um, they should always be remembered and cherished for who they are. But another ground, another barrier broken in 2019, you were in the first women's Royal Rumble. That's Mm -hmm. pretty freaking cool. That's another barrier broken. That's a whole hour dedicated to the amazing talented women in the business. And you lasted like eight minutes. Right before mm-hmm. Alicia, Alicia Fox just kind of, she ended your night. Yeah. You know, it was nice to be in there with Alicia though. She's amazing. And hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. I, I really did uh, enjoy doing that spot with her. We got in a little bit of trouble because we took too long, but Hey, I don't care. It was my time and I was going to take it. And I didn't know how many more matches I still had in me. So you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. Absolutely. Um, it's been a long career. Uh, <laughs> and so for me, like to be out there with her, which I think she's a legend. I, I think that you know, the barriers she's broken have been amazing. And um, yeah, I, I just, it was great to be in there with, with Alicia. Absolutely. And then um, this was, this was kind of a storyline that I, I didn't like. I didn't like this, the, the way you guys were perceived after this together, both of you. 2019, you were in the mixed tag match with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you announced on air that you were pregnant with mm-hmm. your, at the time we didn't know, but it turned out to be your, your son Carver, who's mm-hmm. also adorable. And again, um, uh, he looks like he's gonna, he's Mike's karma. That's the way I feel. I feel both of you got your equal karmas on, on yeah. your two children. I, I just, I, Carver's personality is just like, <laughs> whatever, feed me and maybe cuddle with me sometimes. And you know what? I'm good. Change me, feed me and, you know, give me a bottle every now and again. I'm cool. That's, that's fine. He will sit for two hours and play. Like that kid doesn't care what's going on in the world. He's like, I, I got this spoon and oh, a block. Cool. I'm going to hit them together. Like I'm gonna make all he, kinds of noise. Good. He, and he like wants to know how everything works. He just stared. Yeah, the, the great kids. And that night was I. I thought it was the beginning of like this really cool gritty storyline. Um, didn't go that way, but hey, uh, that night was cool. And I love to work with Becky because Becky is one of my personal idols. Um, even though she's younger than me, I don't care. She still could be my idol. Um, I, I think the man gimmick, oof, so good. Uh, but yeah, I, it, that was a cool night. It really was. 
It was it was a cool night, but then you know a few weeks later, you know there was the whole uh, every time uh, Mike lost something that you you had to kind of shout out, oh you're not going to be a great dad and all that kind of stuff, and it, it wasn't the way I thought the storyline would go. But I did enjoy the um, you pinning Mike for the twenty four seven championship, and then him at your doctor's appointment a week later pinning you. I did as I did laugh a little bit at that. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, uh, and you know what though, the first time we did it was hilarious. Like it was so good, and then. As we started going, it was still funny, mm-hmm. but like, oh, the way that Mike had done it the first time, I just thought he was so funny. He's such a good comedic actor and they just didn't want it. Didn't want to see it out of him. He was too good. Like, and I, I think they just, yeah, I don't know. That was a weird day. We nailed it on the first and the second try and like, they just kept having us do it. And I'm like, why it's done. Like, <laughs> what are you, what are you beating a dead horse here? For what reason? Like, this is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they saw something I did and I have no idea, but I thought Mike was so funny on the first couple of takes and they just took the funny right out of what he was doing and left all the funny on me. So um, yeah. And that's, and that's the hard part, right? When you go from all that creative freedom you guys had on the indies and at Arlo's uh-huh. and at Impact, and then you, you go back home where the create creativity and the freedom is kind of stifled a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, stifled is, that's nice. Well, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be <laughs> polite. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I, I get it. They, they've got investors and they, you know, fine. Um, everybody's got that. Uh, I think that talent suffers the more you suffocate them and, um, or, uh, let the writers write because the writers are great. Uh, and what happens, unfortunately, it's just, like I said, we came in, we did that gynecologist scene. It was hilarious because what was written was funny as the day went on, it got less and less funny. And like, that's the hard part is because as, as whoever management gets, you know, gets on the phone, um, I felt, I feel like it, it loses some sizzle because the writers are fantastic. I had many great writers. Hey, Heyman was my writer. Like, come on. Absolutely. And, 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 and it sucks that, that stuff like that gets dropped. The storyline was eventually dropped. And then as we know, yeah. you guys in 2020, uh, the start of 2020, you welcome Carver to the world uh, mm-hmm. again, congratulations on your, on his second. He Thank is you. fantastic. And Frederica is uh, again, adorable as well. Uh, but then we know what happened, right? April 15, 2020, you guys were part of the budget cuts and it's hard when that stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, budget cuts is funny. Um, I, well, that's, that's what's, that's what's on. Say, I like to say, uh, payment for other lawsuits going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- whatever happened, happened. Um, it's, it's interesting that the whole XFL thing happened. Um, right. It happened before. I think we found out about it after, um, right. As all these budget cuts were happening. Um, so, you know, whatever it is it wasn't just me that lost my job there was uh, millions of people around the country that lost their job so i'm not going to complain about that um what i am going to say is there was a lot of great talent that was lost that day that went off and is doing amazing things other places so like um good for the fans like (laughs) i you know got doc and carl doing their thing like they always do you've got ec3 that um, he's alive and, you know, well in ring of honor. And so 
whatever happened happened um and now we're going to move forward with positivity and excitement um because that's what happens um when you let great talent go um you know one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my career was wwe releasing me in 2010 because i went out and figured out who i was um and i'm sure that even though it sucked it hurt i didn't know how i was going to pay my bills i had a little bit of money saved thank god um that got us through for a while but like you know it's it was tough not knowing how you know in a year from then or in six months or whatever it was you were going to feed your kids you know so like um that part is hard and um like I said, millions of people lost their jobs and, um, it's, it was a terrible time. It really was. There was so many rash decisions that were being made about not just my industry, but many industries because people were afraid. And, um, I'm hoping and praying that this year is going to be better and there's going to be more opportunities that come out of it for not just me, but for the millions of other women, especially that lost their jobs because women lost their jobs at a higher rate than men did because so many of us had to be home with the babies. Um, it's just, it's, it's numbers. It's not, you know, it's not political. It's just numbers. And, um, so I'm hoping that so many great things come out of it. Um, universal childcare would be fantastic. Um, but we'll see. It always takes those horrible things to happen for great things to come out of it. And I am sure that that's, what's going to happen in this instance. Absolutely. And where I was going with the April, April 15th was that something great did happen because Mm -hmm. seven months later, eight months later, sorry, you guys returned home Mm -hmm. and that's ROH. When I heard yeah. that you two had re-signed with ROH, I literally, it actually was early in the morning. I was uh, uh, in the bathroom reading my phone on the toilet, like <laughs> most people do right early in the morning. And I read the article and I literally screamed at the top of my lungs. In the I'm like, babe, Maria Mike re-signed ROH. And I was so happy because I loved your time in ROH. That's like where I said, where I really felt you two evolved as characters, as, as performers, as, as amazing talents that I always saw you as. And when you guys returned back home, I think it was the best decision you made and what you've done in the time there has been incredible. I love ROH. I preach and, and, and cheer ROH on. I've had the pleasure of having Shane Taylor on my show. I've sat down with, uh, uh, Magnum, uh, so many great ROH PCO when he was there, his time there, so many great ROH talents. Now I can add you to the list. And now that EC3 has resigned, the wheels are turning in my head. I'm picturing a triple threat match with EC3. Hopefully Shane Taylor as the new ROH world champion. Cause I think his time is overdue and EC3. And you know what? I'm thinking Maria Canales needs to be the special guest referee. That's what I'm seeing in my head. I think, <laughs> I think uh, if anybody at ROH is watching this interview, I think you should hire me. I will literally work for free so and just book amazing You need to go to the Choose Your Honor Facebook page and you need to say this. That is what everybody needs to do. If you want something, if you want the fan experience, then that's what you do. You go to Choose ROH and like you choose your honor. And um, we will give that to you. We, we filmed so many matches that were um, out of what the fans were really asking. Um, the experience is all about the fans and because we can't have that interaction um, at the shows, we're giving it a different way. And I'm really proud of it. 
Um, I have another few big announcements coming up. I can't talk about them yet, but um, well, I mean, you got to because... come back, Maria. You got to come back on Straight Talk Wrestling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think that Ring of Honor is doing it so right. Um, I think that they are really giving the fans what they want to see with the pure wrestling tournament, um, with the things that are coming up. Uh, I really think that the fans are going to be very excited about everything coming up in the near future. And um, I'm happy to be a part of it. I mean, I, I got the experience of being a commentator. Um, again, I had done it a few times before, but to be a commentator again, which I absolutely love doing. I, um, I think it's just such a cool way of just, you know, talking about the match, but also watching the matches cause I'm still a fan. Um, so it's like sitting down with your buddies and, uh, chit chatting about what's going on in the ring. And I really like that. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the Choose Your Honor. I love everything about it. I love everything that Ring of Honor is doing. I love everything that they've done, and I love everything that they continue to do. And one of the best things they ever did was welcome you and Mike back home. So from all of us ROH faithful, I can say welcome <laughs> back because it rightfully well, deserved. Thank you. I'm very happy to be home. Absolutely. And I hope you stay I, home for a very long time. weight off my shoulders when I mm -hmm. went back to Ring of Honor. Um, I have to say that my first day back, it just being in that environment again of, uh, of trust and of, uh, sport is, uh, it really gave me a lot of, uh, confidence and motivation, um, you know, to, to work towards the next chapter. And freedom, creative freedom. <laughs> yes, very much so. No, no stifling here. See, I could use the word stifle and it could still be okay. I, I was just kidding. I was <laughs> kidding. I am, I am, I have a very, um, uh, I, I have strong feelings. <laughs> and that's okay. Passion is passion and I love it. And that's what Straight Talk Wrestling is about. We're straight up, we're honest. Take us or leave us. And this was one hell of a conversation. Maria, before I say goodbye to, again, one of my favorite divas, you're my, my teenage years, my dear, you were an amazing human being and you are an amazing human being. And now I can say that Maria Canales is my friend and a guest on my show. And that's huge for me. So anybody that's not, not stupid enough to not be following you, where can they find you on the wonderful world of social media? You and Mike. Uh, so on Twitter, it's uh, Maria L. Canellis. On uh, Instagram, it's Maria Canellis. On Facebook, it's official Maria Canellis. My website is officialmariacanellis.com. Um, I do have a patron account. Everybody asks me, isn't it OnlyFans? No, it's not an OnlyFans. If you want to see me naked, just go to Playboy. Like, uh, come on, there, it's out there. It's in the universe. Go find it. Um, but patron does have really fun photo shoots. I, uh, I did one that was very intimate for, uh, Valentine's and I have a lot of really cool shoots coming up. Um, we're actually doing like a two day photo shoot extravaganza coming up here and I'm training for it. I'm like so nervous about it. Um, I just signed with a, a, a brand new talent agency out of Chicago, the rock agency. So, um, if you want to book me for other things, not wrestling. You can also, uh, follow me up on the, um, the rock agency website. So lots of different places. Um, and yeah, I mean, and of course on ring of honor and as the weeks go on, you'll see more and more of me. 
Um, I'm really, really excited about all the announcements that I'm going to be making at the pay-per-view. So uh, yeah, that's just a little, little Easter egg here. <laughs> so that means you got to watch the pay-per-view guys. Now, obviously this episode is going to drop at the end of March. So mm-hmm. It's, it's perfect. But uh, again, I'm a glutton for self-promotion. So I follow Marianne across all platforms. Uh, but if you want to follow your boy, it's at straight talk at underscore straight talk on Twitter at straight talk wrestling on Instagram and Facebook. I don't have a Patreon cause I can't do the photo shoots you can do. I don't have the, uh, hey, you know what though? There's a lot of podcasters and stuff that are there too. And um, I really, it's like everybody, um, it kind of comes at me with different comments and stuff, but it's like, there's a lot of artists on there. And um, I, I really like that as well. You know, all the different artists that are podcasters and, or they can paint or they're photographers or whatever. It's, it's just a really cool site to, to be a part of. Well, then maybe I'll jump on and then who knows, maybe one day you and me with my sexy radio voice, we will be commentating ROH together. That'll be a dream. I'm going to have to go on uh, choose your honor. I'm going to have to always talk about it. I think that it's such a cool idea. Um, uh, It's different perspectives. That's right. That's right. Look at that. Maria and I are jelly. We're friends now. This is awesome. I love it. Thank you so (laughs) much for the time today. No problem. And like I said, it's going to drop the end of March and uh, I can't wait to share it. I'm going to tag you in everything. So yeah, feel free sure. to if, share. If you tag me, then what I do is I just retweet or, you know, whatever it is. I just, um, because that just makes it so much easier. Or um, you could always email me with the information and then I just do it that way. Uh, Cause then I, I don't have to go and find it and then screw it up and then whatever. So if it's just sent to me, then I can just go, all right. And then I'm moving this over here while someone's screaming in this ear and someone's pooping on my leg. So like, it just <laughs> makes my life so much easier. And that's Mike pooping on my leg. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Uh-huh. Well, I'll stop record quickly and then I'll get your email because I don't have it. I arranged this through Mark. But again, Great. thank you so much for being on the show. And that's it for me, guys. Your host, your boy. You know where to find me on socials. Maria and I are now friends. Super cool. And that's it for this week. Peace, love, and wrestling. I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace, friends. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Thank you.